Amen. Thank you. It is such a joy. Is it all right if I push this a little bit forward? Um, it is such a joy to be with you this morning. Um, as I said, I'm from Kingsgate Church. I, believe, I didn't know that you were having your team day uh, at our venue uh, in a week's time or something. That's wonderful. Um, I, I really do... I do love being with you this morning. I, I, it's such a joy and privilege to be uh, I was speaking to some folk this morning, just reflecting on how it really does feel like uh, in Kingston, uh, we are a part of like a family of churches. It really feels like there's no kind of positioning and uh, posturing and jostling each other, uh, kind of fighting against each other, but it really just feels like a loving, loving family uh, that we, um, we, we're really ultimately on the same journey together, love each other, uh, and I know that uh, in terms of the leaders, we've just felt so loved by uh, the leaders here and other churches, and so it is a great joy to be here and a great joy to be a part of what God is doing in our amazing town of Kingston. Is it not an amazing place? Who of you actually live in kind of Kingston town or at least close to or beyond that? Oh, cool. Just interesting to see. Um... Uh, let's jump right into it. Um, in Luke chapter 6, uh, it's not on the slide, but I'll, I'll just mention something quickly. Jesus says this. Um, he says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. And then there's this phrase, and as I was reading it the other day, it really just arrested me. Jesus says this. He said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. I was like, that's an amazing statement to make. A good person create, uh, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And I thought, all the dreams I have, all the wonderful things I want to see in the world, all the exciting things that I'd love to, to see, all the dreams that we have as a church, all the dreams that you want to see as a church, all the good things in our amazing Kingston that we'd love to see happen. And, and Jesus says, uh, directs us somewhere for this. And obviously there's so many things that he could direct us to. He could direct us to a great strategy, a great idea, a seven-point checklist plan of how to do this and achieve great things and good things. And what he says here, he directs us first and foremost to our hearts. And he talks about this treasury of your heart. And, uh, and I feel like there's a challenge in that. There's a, there's a question in that from Jesus of saying, how is your heart? How's your soul? How's the deep inner places of who you are? Um, something of what he's saying here uh, is, I, I think here and in other places in the Bible, you get to see that uh, we have this great privilege of shaping our hearts, of directing our hearts. Um, and, and in some ways, you're the only person that gets to do that. No one else has the keys to your heart. No one else gets to shape and choose how your heart is directed and what it pursues. And Jesus says, how, well, how are you doing with shaping your heart? And, and because out of your treasury of your heart, good things will come. And uh, you're doing the Vital Science series. I believe it was launched last week. Uh, and uh, I've been asked to kind of preach within them. And it's such a joy to be doing that. And, and I think one of, the, uh, w- one of the ways of kind of looking at this Vital Science series is, is saying, uh, how, how is our heart as a church and as individuals? How, how am I doing? So like uh, kind of taking a look under the hood and saying, uh, it might like look like this. It might, on the surface, there might be good things and bad things or this and that. But what, what's really going on under the hood? and pulling open the hood and saying, how are things going on in here? And uh, there's a whole lot of things we could talk about. And uh, the area that I've looked at talking about today that's linked to this area of the heart is this beautiful gift of prayer. 
And now I'm going to be talking about prayer this morning. And of course, as we talk about prayer, there's so many things that we could talk about. There's just so many examples and instructions and things in the Bible that we could look at. Um, and maybe many of you have a whole lot of thoughts and stuff around this. But what I'm just going to do today, have some water. And I'm going to look at the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer, some of Jesus' disciples were with him. And they said, Rabbi, teacher, teach us how to pray. Uh, and then what we find in, in uh, Luke 11 and Matthew 6 is where you'll find the Lord's Prayer, what we now call as the Lord's Prayer in your Bibles. And, and Jesus kind of, I love that he doesn't just give them like, uh, like a lecture on how to. He says, okay, let's pray. And he says, pray like this. And he prays with them. And, and we, it's so amazing. We have in our Bibles today a, a recording, a, a remembering of what he said in this beautiful moment when he taught his disciples how to pray. Like, imagine we didn't have that. We'd be like, I wonder how Jesus prayed with his disciples. I wonder how it sounded. And, and we get to hear his words recorded saying, guys, this is how you pray. This, and, he, and he went through the Lord's Prayer. Um, as I start to talk about prayer, I realize that we are probably all over the map on prayer. Maybe you've never prayed before, and maybe today this is going to be kind of a stepping stone for you into that. Maybe you are an amazing prayer, and you have like this incredible prayer life. No matter where you are in your story, I hope that, um, I hope that what Jesus' words, and, and my kind of hoping to look at those words, uh, I hope they have helpful to you, both in terms of your heart and in terms of handles. I think heart is like, uh, as we pray this prayer, and as you look at some of the words, you'll see as we get through it. There's, there's no way of getting through this if you really look at it without really it engaging your heart, without it really being like confronting the inner core parts of who we are. And at the same time, it's this amazing like kind of handles of how to pray. It's amazing kind of uh, structure or scaffolding, or in some ways it's like the um, training wheels. I think in South Africa, I'm from South Africa, we call them fairy wheels. I have no idea why they're called fairy wheels. But anyway, let's call them training wheels. So it's, it's both. It kind of addresses our heart, but also gives us some handles as we look at it today. But as we talk about prayer, and I think whenever I sit down and I hear someone about to talk about prayer, and the first thing I start thinking about is like the kind of guilt of like, oh, I said I'd pray for this person, and I just haven't. And I, I really, I heard the story about this guy, and he, he prayed for three hours, and I'm just like, I've never prayed for three hours straight. And, and I, you can start to feel like kind of the, the guilt and the burden of prayer. Um, what I'd love to present to you is what, as I've really felt God speaking to me about the Lord's Prayer over the last few months, really, um, is what I believe it is, and I think it's more than a kind of a to-do list, more than a burden to carry. It is the most wonderful, beautiful invitation into a beautiful, intimate relationship with God. It's this invitation into rich, vibrant relationship with our Creator, with our Father. So let's jump in. I'm going to read it. Um, it might not be a translation that you are familiar with. Um, and what I'm going to do is just read it through. Um, I think it's from the NLT version. that I'll re- oh, they, Actually, this is the Church of England version. So you may or may not be familiar with it. Um, and, and depending, maybe, you've, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, and that's wonderful. But maybe over the years and years, uh, you've heard it and read it and prayed it millions and millions of times, and it's kind of lost its, its vibrancy. It's kind of lost its energy for you. And I hope what, what I plan to do today is we'll read it through, and then we'll We'll take each phrase, each kind of little component of it, and a little bit like a kaleidoscope. We'll pick it up, look up to the sun, look at it, and look for beauty and, and value and meaning that lies in each phrase. So let me read it with you, or to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Uh, I was speaking to Keith Gayskill, who leads Kingsgate Church the other day, and we were talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer. And he said, you know what, Clark, I sat down and wanted to pray my way through this prayer. And he's like, I couldn't finish it. Do you know how far I got? He said, our. He said the very first word he got stuck on. That was as far as he could get. And we started talking about the depth and, and the meaning within this. When you start to realize that uh, in, our, in our Western modern society, uh, we're like designed and we're pulled towards and gravitate towards a, a culture of being all about me and my individual story. And, and, uh, and we can approach prayer like that. We can pr- approach God like that about my calling, my destiny, or my sin, my ups and downs. And the very first word of this prayer brings us back to a story that is bigger than just me. A big, grand story. And as I pray this, I, I'm reminded that there's, I'm part of a group of pe- this people. I'm a part of this big group of people that millions and millions and millions of people who have prayed this prayer even. And as I pray, as I sit in, in my room, I've got a little chair where I have our devotions, and I, as I start to pray this, I think, of, I think of you guys. I think of other churches in Kingston. I think of other churches around the world, and I'm part of this big, beautiful story. And that I'm not in this alone. And I, that I'm, I'm not in this alone, that we're all in this together. And there's a sense of unity, there's a sense of being excited and pulling my heart towards a bigger picture. I'd like to play uh, a video, uh, which many of you may have seen. It was, I think, done by the Church of England, and the, uh, uh, the idea was to be played at uh, cinemas during the trailers. And uh, my understanding is that it was banned, but then started getting a whole lot of kind of being talked about a lot because it was banned. Um, but let's play it, and I, and I love what this tells me is, what reminds me of is this picture of all of us drawing near to God in a story that's bigger than us. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as As we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. So, and we're going to speed our way through the, the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to take this much time on each word, don't you worry. <laughs> Be here on Tuesday. But looking, looking at the next phrase, so it says, Our Father in Heaven. I love that the Lord's Prayer and, and so much of the, what we see in the Bible is, is grounded in the concept of relationship. I love that as we draw near to Jesus, and as Jesus tells us how to pray, He says, pray like this, pray from the very beginning of your prayer, start from the premise of you are a loved son or daughter, that your prayer doesn't uh, earn you anything. We don't come into prayer thinking, oh, I'm going to try and achieve something, and if I kind of pray well enough, and if I do the right things in prayer, I'll like, earn these brownie points with God, and I'll be in His good books, and then He'll like, do, what I want, do what I want in the world, and it's, no, 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 this is grounded in relationship. And it means that we don't have to have any pretense or pretending to be anything that we're not. We can come to Him just as we are. 
One of the most beautiful things in prayer is that we can come to him and be loved just as who we really are, without any kind of masks, without any pretending, without trying to say, I'm this, I'm that. And we pull that all aside, and we come to him vulnerable, honest, and real, and we get this incredible experience of being loved as who we really are. And that is a transformative thing. And we are loved by the Father. And as we reflect on that phrase, uh, we can we can be reminded that we draw near to a father who is uh, the father in heaven, as in he's a heavenly father. He doesn't carry any of the flaws or the misgivings of any of us or any of you as uh, your fathers. He is this perfect father who is infinitely, radically, uh, relentlessly, incessantly for you. And we start, isn't it a wonderful thing? We start our prayer life. We start a prayer going, God, you are my heavenly father who is for me. Who's, who's infinitely more for my flourishing and, for, and your dreams uh, for me are much better than mine. And I start my prayer thinking, wow, God, you're an amazing Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The phrase hallowed is obviously a word that's not used a lot in modern vernacular. Um, and it's quite hard in our modern English to try and draw out its meaning. It talks about, it means something of holiness and, and something that is sacred. And as, we, as I say that phrase, that hallowed be your name, uh, I'm reminded that God is, yes, he's our, he's our loving father, but he is, as we draw near to this God, he is the God, of the creator of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who spoke and galaxies came out of his mouth, the one who sustains the world right now by his very being. The, the one who is omnipotent, meaning he has all power. There's nothing that he wants to do that he can't do because he doesn't have enough power. Think of that, isn't that amazing? He's never restricted by a lack of power. And when he does something mighty, there's no like, okay, now he needs to be refilled with his power because he is infinitely powerful. And this big, great, omnipotent, mind-blowing, great God whose ways are bigger than our ways, he says that we approach a God who is both that and also this loving, kind, gracious, patient, generous Father. I love that we get to, uh, Jesus t- teaches us in this first, in how to start our prayer, is to fill our minds with these two truths. That God, who, we're filling our mind with who God is. And uh, there's lots of types of prayer that, uh, I know certain types of Buddhist prayer and certain things will, the idea is to try and empty your mind. But even with Christianity, with even uh, contemplative or uh, meditative prayer, it's always filling our mind with the truth of who God is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's an idea here that God has this amazing uh, opportunity. He's called us to participate with him in this big grand story of what he's doing. Uh, that we believe and we see in the Bible this big story that he creates everything right and as it ought to be and then our sin causes brokenness and a distortion in that. Jesus comes to start to fix it and make things right and become, uh, he avails this, this kind of new humanity and we can be a part of this people. And he says, and it's where it's the, the, the story of history is running towards the consummation of the ages, which means Jesus is going to come back and he's going to recreate everything and his kingdom is going to be uh, f- f- fully uh, consummated and we'll see it in all what it means it talks about in the Bible it says that there'll be no more tears I love that phrase Jesus says he'll wipe away every tear it says that there'll be all, all suffering all injustice all poverty and all death will be ended and that's the story where everything's going and, and as I was saying Jesus invites us to participate in the story 
The more I think about that, it's just amazing that he would invite us to participate in that story. We participate through action, but we also participate through our prayer life. And we can pray for his kingdom to come, his ways to come, um, in everything around us. And uh, in prayer, we're asking for his kingdom of love, light, and life to come into the world around us. And so this becomes a very different prayer to a prayer of like writing down, as a child might do, writing down what, to Father Christmas a wish list of things you might want, or kind of like a shopping list prayer. And, and God, I want this, I want this, I want this, and done. And, and saying, no, it starts with a sense of, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then we look around, you might want to look around uh, the world around you and say, look for things that you think, that isn't God's kingdom, and I want to pray specifically for his kingdom to come in this area or that. You might want to uh, you might look at an uncle who has uh, a sickness in his body, and you think the Bible says that when his kingdom comes, there's going to be no sickness, no disease. And so God, I, I pray for your kingdom to come, your will to be done in his body. You might look at a, a friend's business and a friend who, um, who felt God speaking to him, who jumped out the, the boat, if you will, and was brave and courageous to start a new business, uh, but needs, need, needs some support and needs some help. And you say, God, let your kingdom come in my friend's business. Let your, your will be done. Let there be life and flourishing and blessing upon that business. Maybe you think of a, a friend or a, a, a single parent, maybe in this church community, and you think, oh, how, maybe it's someone you know that is uh, on, at breaking point. And you think, God, let your kingdom come. Come and sustain them. Come and be with them. Maybe think of a colleague, uh, a friend who doesn't know Jesus, and you think, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this person's life. Making sense so far? So the idea is to take this, uh, and I forgot to say in the beginning, to take this, and I really challenge you to take the Lord's Prayer, and, and uh, no matter where your prayer life is at, and to go through it yourself sometime, and, and slowly go through it, and, and allow each phrase to kind of really pour, uh, let God show you the meaning and value in those phrases, in each part of it. The next phrase, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Here Jesus shows us to ask uh, what we need for each day. He shows us and reminds us that He is the provider. He is our ultimate provider, and there's a sense that uh, I love praying that prayer. It reminds me, and I, I love to pray it in the morning, that you start your day and go, everything I need today and what I want to do when I wake up in the morning is rush on to start sorting everything out. And it's such a, such a hard thing for me, for many of us, I'm sure, but to start the day saying, God, everything I need, you have. You are the provider of, of my daily bread. Would you come and provide for me? And uh, as we start to maybe perhaps list various things that we're aware of that we need for the day, uh, our list is some, is the list that we're praying for is now seen through the lens of knowing who God is. And ultimately that only He can satisfy the deep longing of our souls. That ultimately He is what we most need. That we, we can come to Him with our needs, expectant of a positive response, but we do so changed by our satisfaction and our trust in Him. I love the idea of it being daily bread, that Jesus is calling us towards a daily rhythm of coming to him. Not trying to sort everything out and be like, well, I'm sorted for the next while, I'm good. Uh, Because what what happens then is we draw away from God, but God knows for flourishing relationship with him, there needs to be this daily dependence on him, daily coming to him, daily leaning on him. And then also in that phrase is, give us today our daily bread. There's a sense of praying beyond yourself. Maybe you want to think of those uh, who, are, who would pray for daily bread, not in a metaphorical way, but people who don't have food on their table, perhaps. 
Maybe you want to pray for them. Maybe you want to pray for uh, the, the local broken social systems that have caused people to not have food. Maybe you want to pray against uh, poverty and injustice in your area. And you see, as you start to think about these phrases, the, all the kind of beauty and meaning that's behind them. Let's move on. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, in his unlimited grace and kindness, has paid a price on my behalf. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, he has come and saved and redeemed and restored you and put you, as I was saying, a part of this new humanity, part of this people that is doing this amazing big project. And uh, the cost that was owed to me because of my shortfalling and sin, he pays and has incurred himself. And now I inherit eternal life as a free gift. And I, and I was thinking about this. This is amazing. As I wrote it down, I was like, is this true? And because of Jesus' forgiveness that this phrase talks about, it means that I, he leads me to walk in unmerited favor for all eternity. And as we pray that line, perhaps you want to reflect on uh, a core part of the gospel. Uh, reflect on how God has saved. How God is a saving God. And uh, reflect on your salvation. Um, but as I said earlier, kind of uh, something of this prayer forces us to engage with some stuff in the heart. And as we pray that line and as we say, and as we celebrate our forgiveness, and then we say, just as we forgive those who sin against us, um, if, if there's someone who you're holding a grudge against, or someone who you uh, are, hold, are holding an offense in your heart with, we kind of get stuck at that point. <laughs> you kind of can't really say, God, thank you for forgiving me, just as I just don't really not kind of forgive those people. And it forces us to say, okay, this is hard, but God, deal with this in my heart. Let me, help me to forgive this. Help me to deal with this offense. And, and change me that I would look like you. As I was thinking about this, the, the picture, the pattern in that phrase is, God, because your grace has been poured out on me, change me so that I would demonstrate and look, that the way I interact with others, that there would be that grace. As you have forgiven me, let me be forgiving towards other people. As you have loved me, let me love other people. And that we would increasingly not... Grace isn't just a thing of, oh, I've received grace and now I'm fine as I am. The idea is that grace just transforms us continually. As we, the more we understand of His grace, the more we want to look like Him, reflect Him to the world around us. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. As Christians, uh, we, we want to avoid temptation, which would lead to sin. We want to avoid temptation and sin, not because we think that's going to be the end of our relationship with God. It's not going to be like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in His family, but if I, if I go towards temptation, I'm going to lose that. But the idea is within His family, just as you would with a, a, a loving father, you'd want to do things that please Him. And also, we know that sin is destructive, we know that sin uh, we see in the Bible is, uh, destroys all sorts of it destroys our relationship with ourselves. It destroys uh, our relationship with each other. It destroys our rela- relationship with the, all of creation. And so, as we pray that prayer, we can say, "God, lead me not." And you can think perhaps of certain things in your life, perhaps certain temptations that you know you struggle with. Say, so, "Jesus, lead me away from those things." But, but if I can add to this, what I see in other parts of Scripture, lead me towards something more beautiful. 
Let me see you, God, as more beautiful than these things. Because if we keep focusing on this, we'll still struggle with this. But if we pull our eyes away to that which is more beautiful, if we see God as more attractive, if we see his ways, his kingdom as more attractive than those things, we can, we can be transformed. And uh, we ask God to deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a prayer, in some ways, a prayer of protection. Asking God to come and protect us. Um, protect your family, protect your church, protect our town, and to, to deliver us from evil. And uh, part of that might be the things that you see, and you can see things that might want to come and harm you. But also, the Bible talks about in Ephesians 6, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Of the, and so maybe in this part of your prayer, you want to say, God, come and protect me and my family, my church, my business. My, come and protect me from the unseen things that would come to seek to kill, steal, and destroy in my life. And then lastly, it says, for the kingdom. And uh, this last phrase is not in all the original manuscripts, um, but I think it is a great way to end a prayer. So you've, it says, for the kingdom... The power and the glory are yours now and forevermore. And I love that as we kind of started with God, as we started thinking about who He is, and we've journeyed through kind of all our limitations, all our frustrations, all our temptations, at the end of this, it kind of casts the Christian's eyes back to who He is. It, uh, it reminds us that here our hearts can rest with assurance, knowing that nothing can ever scratch away who He is and what He has achieved. And we can, I love those three things, His kingdom, His power, and His glory. We can remember, the Bible says that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at certain things, I feel like, is his kingdom going to win? Like, is his kingdom going to last? Is his, is his kingdom? And I think, no, I know. Because if I know who he is, and he says his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And that from eternity to future, his kingdom will reign. Your kingdom, your power. Is that the second one? Yes. Your power, there's never going to be a day where he has less power. There's never going to be, I love thinking of this in my mind, there's never going to be a day that someone else comes and is more powerful than him. No matter what you think about AI and artificial intelligence, there's never going to be a day that anything, anything comes that is more powerful than you, Jesus. What a beautiful thought to finish our prayer with. The, power, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. The glory, you are Jesus, and I love to think of this, that you are seated on a throne. And no one will be able to pull you from that throne, but for all eternity, you'll, all eternity to come, you'll be seated on the throne because of what you have achieved, Jesus, through your death res- and resurrection. And you are seated on the throne. We can finish our prayer reminded of who he is and what is to come. And I, love th- I love thinking of his kingdom, his power, and his glory here, now, and forever. I think what I'd like to do, if it's all right, is just quickly pray that with you. Uh, if you're happy, would you stand with me? I'm just going to... I'm going to pray each line very kind of slowly. And... Um, I just ask you, and I might mention a few things that you might want to think about or pray about, but just in your heart, if you could start to prayerfully reflect on each part. And maybe it's stuff I've said, maybe it's other things, but I just want to give you a moment to, in a sense, kind of practice walking out, praying through this prayer, and the, the beauty and wonder and, and vibrancy that's in it. So, our Father, 
God, we, we thank you that you are for us. Every single one of us in this room, you are for us and not against us. The, the one whose name is hallowed, the great almighty king, the greatest power that could ever be, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who could do anything that you wanted to do, you love us and are for us. No matter the weeks we've had, the ups and downs of life, we know that you are for us. You're relentlessly, incessantly for us as a good, loving father. I thank you, Father, we don't have to uh, strive to achieve anything. That the, the, the achievement has been done, as was said this morning, by Jesus on the cross. And I thank you that we can step into intimate, beautiful relationship with you increasing intimacy. God, I thank you for each person in this place. I pray, that, I pray for an increasing awareness of intimacy with you in their journeys, God. Each one of us, God, growing and knowing you, growing and experiencing the love of a father. And God, we ask, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We think perhaps of, of stories around us, friends, families, co- colleagues, stories where we know your kingdom needs to break in. And we say, God, let your kingdom come. Not our will, your will be done. God, forgive us where we've made ourselves the king of our story. We, we say, you are the king of our story, God. You, we humble ourselves. We say, come and be king. Where, where we wanted to do things our own way, where we wanted to pull away, where we wanted to, where we think, thought we've known better than you. <laughs> How foolish we've been. Let your will be done, not ours, God. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. And we pray, give us today our daily bread, God. We pray, we thank you that you are a good provider. That you provide for all our needs. Do you know what we, what we need more than we know? And maybe for each of you, if you just cast your mind ahead to the, maybe the day ahead or the week ahead, maybe things that are stressing you out, burdens that you feel like you've got to carry or balls that you're juggling, whatever it is you feel like that's, you, you, you're faced with this week and, and you can pray in your heart, God, provide me of your daily bread. And God, I pray most of all what we know we need is your empowering Holy Spirit with us. I pray that that would be something of a daily bread that each of us would carry this week. A sense of being empowered by you, Holy Spirit. We ask you. And God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We thank you that we don't have to continually ask for forgiveness in a sense. Um, that, that your salvation is a complete work, uh, that is an absolute work at one moment for all time. But we do, God, ask you to help steer us away from the things in our lives that are unhelpful. Forgive us. Change us, God. Help us to, to, to turn away from those things, God. And just as we receive your forgiveness, God, let us be a forgiving people. God, I... Let us, help us, Holy Spirit, to be a people who forgive others. I I think of all the different people that that stand behind this group in this room. 
all the different people that uh, maybe have said things or done things that need forgiveness. God, help us to be a forgiving people that would look like you as we forgive with radical, generous, loving forgiveness. And lead us not to temptation. Draw us towards that which is more beautiful. Jesus, I pray that you would become increasingly more beautiful, more attractive to each and every one of us, God. No matter where we are in our story, in our journey, God, would you become more amazing, more incredible to us. Holy Spirit, come and do that in our hearts even now. For the churches in Kingston, we pray that you would be more attractive than anything else. Where, where we, we can get so distracted by other things. Let you be, we pray that in our hearts you would be the most attractive thing. You would be our greatest and highest pursuit. Lead us not into temptation of small, smaller, weaker, insignificant things. And deliver us from evil, God. I pray for your protection upon this church. Pray for your protection upon every person that calls King's Church home. I pray for your protection against that which is seen and your protection against that which is unseen. And God, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. We thank you that we can, we can finish off a moment like this reminded of who you are, reminded that your kingdom will never end, your power will never be uh, fade away, and you will always be seated on a glorious throne because it's who you are, Jesus, and we believe it to be true. We remind ourselves that the glory, the power, and the, the honor and might and the kingdom is yours now and forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Good to you, Anna.